0: Welcome to the Automators. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by the esteemed Automator of the Internet, Rosemary Orchard. How's it going, Rose?
1: Uh, it's pretty great, to be honest, uh, David. I got confused uh, by time zones today, so I was an hour early. Actually, I was over an hour early for the recording, but better an hour early than an hour late, because that's that's when your automations fail right rather than fail wrong. And uh, yeah, that seems appropriate, because we have an extra time zone to add to today's uh, episode. Welcome to the show, Casey Liss.
2: Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. I
0: always like talking to Casey. Um, he's famous for the fact that he loves Anaheim Disneyland more than Disney World.
2: <laughs> so our our pre-show oh. chatter is coming back to bite me. I see. I see how it is.
0: <laughs> uh, and and you're an automator. You're doing all kinds of automator stuff. They, was occasionally, over on your podcast ATP, I feel like they're they they're a little bit um verbally abusive to you when you do some of your crazy <laughs> automation <laughs> and i feel like we need to bring you into a safe space we need you to come in the mm-hmm. automators so you can talk about this stuff uh, where we will not not go after you
1: we'll just mock them for, for, for not actually doing anything that will make their lives easier so see yeah. there you yeah. go
0: well we're well, we happy to have you here to talk about automation casey um on the extended version of the automators where you get the extended show without ads Casey and I are going to be talking, and, and Rose as well, about the various <laughs> Disney park locations, maybe a little automation when we visit the parks, but also Casey and I have a, an old rivalry we need to, to discuss, <laughs> so we'll we'll bring that up as well. Um, but either way, um, uh, Casey, for folks who don't know you, you are an independent application programmer. You've got multiple apps. I'm not even going to try to remember them all at this point. Casey, give us a list of your apps now.
2: Yeah, so um, you may know me from such apps as uh, Peekaview, which I wrote uh, after going to Disney World, the (coughs) Superior Park, uh, several years ago when my daughter was really interested in looking at pictures and I was scared she was going to delete them all. Uh, So that's a read-only photo gallery. There's also Masquerade, which is an app that lets you very quickly put emoji over people's faces for privacy or for fun. Um, but you might know me, if if anything, from Call Sheet, which is a new-ish app. It was a couple of months mm-hmm. ago now uh, that I released that's uh, basically the the quickest and easiest and best way to look up uh, film information and TV information. So actors, actresses, TV shows, movies, et cetera, et cetera. Think of it as IMDb, but done by someone who cares. And so.
0: Yeah. In my mind, it's IMDb, but it doesn't suck. But, you know, exactly. that's the way I think yeah. of it. Um, but, yeah, great job, and congratulations on getting all these apps out. Casey's also on the Accidental Tech Podcast, ATP, um, which is uh, one of the premier podcasts in the uh, Apple space. And mm-hmm. occasionally uh, Casey talks about his automation over there, and I do feel like we need to to give him a forum to talk about it. And so I thought we'd we'd start, Casey. Tell us, how did you get started in automation?
2: I feel like we're channeling my other podcast, Analog, when talking about feelings, but, mm. uh, but no. Um, so yeah, I got started. I had an actually unusual entry into the automation world. Uh, my dad uh, worked for IBM for effectively my whole life, and he was always a bit of a nerd and a tinkerer, um, both in the computing space and in physical space. He, there was a brief window of time before he worked for IBM that he was an actual professional mechanic. Um, he had pinball machines for a long time, would tinker with them. But when we were growing up, Dad was really, really into, uh, I believe it was called X10, like the letter X and then the numeral one zero X10, which was this ancient uh, automation and like home control standard that ran over power lines, if I'm not mistaken. It's been so long since I've really thought about this that I might have my details wrong, but Basically, you could have these very homely looking boxes (laughs) strewn around the house. And I think you could also put them in in place of regular switches. Uh, But you could could have all of your stuff hooked up to like a computer. He had his hooked up to an old IBM laptop because, again, he was an IBMer. Um, And you could do some modicum of automation with these things. You know, at such and such a time, turn this on. At such and such a time, turn that off. You know, dim it to 50% and then an hour later, bring it to 100% and stuff like that. This was mostly around lights. Uh, I don't really think there was much else that he had done um, other than, I actually don't know if I've ever told the story publicly. It's nothing like bad or t- terribly exciting. But um, we had in the house I grew spent most of my time growing up in, it was at the top of a hill and the driveway was very, very long and you couldn't really see the bottom of the driveway from inside the house. And dad came up with what he called LWS, L-E-W-S, List Early Warning System. And what it was was a physical tube that ran across the bottom of the driveway. And you might remember this or know about this from, like, gas stations long before any of us were children. And it was you would, you would drive over this tube, this rubber tube, and it would, I guess, connect a relay or something. I'm not sure how the internals worked.
0: The, they usually worked on compressed air. It was like there was air, and the air would fire a, basically a pneumatic switch. The way they used to work,
2: yeah. So you got the idea, and then that that was connected to the X ten system, such that it would chime, effectively a doorbell inside the house. So we would know when was someone when someone was approaching the house, and so that was like that was my upbringing. And then when I went to college at Virginia Tech, this was in the early aughts. Uh, Dad had a couple of pieces of X ten laying around, and so at this point in time, in like two thousand, you know, not string lights, which are all the craze right now, but rope lights were the the new hotness, oh, yeah. and so. Um, in my dorm room, I had rope lights uh, going across the bottom of the like bunk bed that that was in there, and I had a little remote control that i that I could use with a very, very limited x ten setup in order to like turn on or off the rope lights or dim them or what have you. It was completely and utterly useless, but it was an interesting conversation piece for other nerds that came into my room. Um, and so that's where I got started. And then fast, I didn't really think about automation for the longest time. And then fast forward to, well, let me just HomeKit stop for a minute the there
0: because this X10 mm-hmm. thing is worth notice. Mm-hmm. Cause it, I feel like the older listeners will remember this cause it was a big deal at the time. Like if you were of a certain nerdy persuasion and you got like, like I would get electronics magazines and, and then there was always like pages and pages of x10 stuff for sale and like you could replace your sockets and there was a i mean it was super um nerdy and way more involved than what you do now when you just plug a home kit thing mm. into the wall but you you had to really like take this on but people had really gone far with that i you know, I never knew anybody that did it. I, I was a kid. I didn't have any money, but I, I would go through and circle the ones I would buy to set up my house. But that's, <laughs> yep, that's as far as I would ever get. Yep. You know? Yeah. So that's cool. I'm I'm glad that you were able to do that.
2: Yeah, it was it was very cool. I didn't get that involved with it, you know, personally, other than the experience of using not the automation side, but, you know, just the switching side. But I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for X10 industry standard, and I'm looking at some of this stuff, some of the physical hardware that they picture I had completely forgotten that IBM actually had, like, a branded version of this called, like, Home Mm -hmm. Director or something like that. Now that I see this on the Wikipedia page, it it rings many bells, but I completely forgot about this. And maybe, I don't know if that's how Dad originally got, you know, privy to it or what have you, but yeah I'm looking at some of this stuff, and it is just it just reeks of Casey's childhood. <laughs> it's just yeah. so many memories looking at all
0: these pictures it felt like bond villain level of like yeah. you yeah, know yeah. stuff because it you know there's antennas sticking out of things
2: yep mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah it was really something they so said that's cool that 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 is definitely the precursor of Homekit when you think about
2: it mm-hmm. yeah, very much so.
1: And it's really cool because things like, you know, the tube across the bottom of your drive, um, you know, a lot of uh, places will uh, create some sort of uh, car sensor system for you now where it's basically an IR brake beam where you've got two things pointing at each other and when the car drives through, um, it breaks the beam for long enough that it triggers uh, a sensor. But, you know, the the pneumatic uh, tube approach is probably more reliable, realistically, depending on positioning and and of course um you know how how the ground is around there if you've got lots of very sharp pointy rocks uh that might not work so well uh you know they, they could probably possibly puncture it but it's it's really cool to see this sort of thing and you know it looks like most most of the things you know it looks like you had the option to turn a device on or off lights on or off it was mostly binary but then there was sort of dimming for lights as yep, well that's right um but yeah it, it, it looks really cool and they had a wireless uh so using rf protocols um, for, like, keypad controllers and keychain controllers and burglar alarm modules, um, which I know, like, uh, alarm systems is something that a lot of people would like to smartify. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe folks should uh, go and see what they can find uh, in the second-hand stores.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was relatively reliable, and I remember, I don't even recall the name of the software, but there was some software running on Windows that was just truly hideous to look at, even from the perspective of Windows being not the great, greatest design in the you know late 90s, early aughts, but it was real ugly. And I remember there was some just completely complicated software that dad would spend hours on trying to automate all this stuff. Like HomeKit has its own problems, don't get me wrong, but by and large, we mm-hmm. have come a long way, baby. It is a lot nicer now than it was in, like, 98 or whenever it was that dad was, you know, playing around with all this stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember my parents' burglar alarm system that they probably had installed around 1998. And that was, like, that was a whole, like, taking, like, windows out to run wires to window frames so that you could put sensors on them yep, and all yep, sorts yep, yep. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and nowadays, like, I have sensors on all of my windows and doors And the only thing that I have to do is replace the battery like once every couple of years. And I get a push notification to tell me to do it. And now I've (laughs) even got widgets on my home screens. Right. So, yeah, like zero building work required.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very different than it was back in the X10 days.
0: And I don't know if your early warning system was the same technology they used in the gas station. But I can tell you that as a kid, I used to experiment on them because... That was interesting to me, you know?
2: <laughs> well, it, it, our favorite thing to do as kids would be to run down to the bottom of the driveway once we were physically big enough and jump up and down on the hose. So then in the in the inside, now I don't remember what the ding dong sounded like, but there was some unique tone to, to the lose going off. And so, you know, we, some, everyone else would be in the house and all you would hear is ding, 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 as one of us idiot kids was jumping up and down on the hose at the bottom of the driveway.
0: Well, the ones in the gas stations took a lot of pressure to trigger. Like it really took yeah. a car mm-hmm. and uh, cause exactly. I'd ride over it yeah, with yeah. my bike and I'd, and I'd jump on it and I could never yeah, get yeah, the yeah. bell to ring, but you know, I was kind of a, kind of, kind of a, a strange child. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that I grew up and made a podcast called The Automators. Let's just let's just leave it at that. Right, right, right. All right, but but eventually you got past X10 and um mm-hmm. and when's the next time you dipped your toes into automation?
2: Yeah, so I I don't remember if HomeKit was the first thing that happened or if I just got aware of um the wemo stuff, W E M O. Um I th- mm-hmm. forget who who is the parent company of them? Belkin. That's it. Thank you. Um and so I had a couple of uh, of one of the, I don't know, the term for it, but the thing where you plug in a box and then you plug like a lamp into that box and the box is basically smart switch. Yeah, uh, a smart, smart switch. Yeah, yeah.
1: Socket, yeah, exactly. plug, like it depends on your your location and precise terminology. But, right. Yeah, We're saying the same
2: thing. But easy. we got a couple of those that I dabbled with. And again, this was around the time that HomeKit was first becoming a thing. I feel like maybe my Wemo stuff predated HomeKit by like a year or two, but it doesn't really matter. but The idea was I wanted to be able to automate some of the stuff with regard to our baby at the time. So this is roughly 2014, 2015. Our eldest kid, who coincidentally, as we record this, turns nine on Sunday. But nevertheless, uh, he was an infant at the time. And it just got annoying to me to do the same dance a couple of times a day, you know, once around nap time and once around bedtime of turning the light on and turning on the fan and doing the this and doing the that. And it's not that involved, but like, programmers are lazy if we're anything we're lazy and if there's something i can repeat and not have to worry about it it just take it off my mental checklist then yeah baby let's do it and so i got you know i think it was a switch for his lamp and eventually we my dad helped me install i think it was also a wemo switch in the wall for his overhead ceiling fan Um, And a couple of basic things like that. I think eventually we got another one of these smart outlet things for like the Christmas tree. Uh, So it would automatically turn on in the evenings and then turn off around the time we went to bed, you know, based on time and time alone. Uh, And so that was fine and, you know, worked okay. And eventually that got sucked into HomeKit. Uh, We do have a Wemo bridge that I have a reminder to unplug and plug back in every two weeks. And coincidentally, today is the day. Uh, because it seems to just kind of fail if you leave it on for <laughs> a few straight weeks, uh, which is super fun. Um, but once you unplug it, give it a five count, plug it back in, it, it works no problem. So, and,
1: and th- this is a maybe very... you should put a different brand right? smart plug on that <laughs> know, and right? automate that.
2: That's that's the pro move. But uh, but no, th- this is uh, this is one of the very first ones they made that bridged to home kit. Mm-hmm. So it very well could yeah. be that new ones have have no problems whatsoever. But yeah, you know, we lived off of that for a while and didn't really do that much, and then. I had heard a lot of rumblings about this weirdly named Lutron Caseta stuff. And it was one of those things like Sonos later in my life that everyone would just not stop talking about like, Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. (laughs) Lutron Caseta. It's so good. It's so good. It's expensive, but Oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. You got to try it. It's so good. And eventually I decided, okay, it's time. And I don't, again, I don't remember the specifics, but around the same time, I decided a couple things needed to happen. Number one, I wanted to go, I forget the terms for it, but the, the little like nubbin switch, it's like the default American light switch. I can't speak for the UK, but you know, where you have a little, little nubbin sticking out of the wall and you flip that up and down. I wanted to go from that to what I would call like a paddle switch, which to me is like, the more foo-foo-y, nicer looking thing, where it's a paddle that you either press on the top of the whole paddle to turn the thing on or, turn you know, press the bottom of the paddle to turn it off.
1: Do you mean like a bounce switch where you press it and it doesn't show you that it's in a particular state or the whole thing moves up and down? The
2: whole thing moves up and down. And, and, you know, if you go to Home Depot or your local big box store, you know, to get one of just a dumb vanilla, well, maybe it's a Decora, I forget the term for it. But anyways, one of these paddle switches, it's like a dollar, literally a dollar. You know, they're not... They're not particularly complicated or fancy things to just for the regular ones, but there were a handful of places that I wanted to put in Caseta switches. And did you know, folks, Lutron's Caseta is so good. It's so freaking good. It is so expensive because it's like literally $70 a switch for one of these switches. But it never, ever fails, ever. And I think part of the reason that that's the case is because the Caseta stuff is all, and I guess David, jump in when you're ready here, but the Caseta stuff is all on its own like private proprietary radio network. And there's a bridge to bridge you to HomeKit and the, you know, the, the IP network. But whenever you do anything with the Lutron stuff, it's communicating between the different devices with RF and it is just rock solid. And, and we only put in a handful of these switches, but they're amazing. Yeah, I mean,
0: and that's the trick with them is start small and just slowly grow it. I mean, it took me like two years to fill up my house with them, and there are still plugs I haven't replaced because I just don't think I need them. But overall, I can lay in bed and turn lights. on. like, if I hear a noise downstairs, I push a button next to the bed, and and most of the lights in the house light up. You know, and then I can go downstairs not in the dark. And I just like stuff, you know, having that kind of ability and. The reason everybody keeps yacking on about them, and I know Rose hates that because they're not available in the UK, <laughs> but but exactly what Casey said. They've got their own um, spectrum, so they're very solid. And in fact, one of the things that I've come to learn as I got into automation is that I used to think having to buy a separate you know, puck or, or unit um, for an automation system was a bad thing, but now I've come to really appreciate it because usually that means that they reliably work. Because they right, do have basically. their own yeah. connection. Um, but anyway, so you get these things and you pay for them. It hurts a little bit. The best way is to like every couple of months, you know, when you want to spend some money on something dumb, you go buy another switch. And it's less <laughs> expensive after you set up the initial setup because you only buy the puck once. And I've got, you know, I think I got about 10 of them around the house, but it's great. I can turn lights on everywhere. It's cheaper than like buying fancy bulbs you know or I, I, maybe it's not anymore i don't know because the bulbs are getting pretty cheap but like if you've got a room with a bunch of can lights getting smart lights for each one of those cans is quite expensive and if you just replace the switch then you're good and then you can replace those light bulbs with any light bulbs and i i i just think that the reason so many people love it is because it does the thing that it says it does on the can, and so often in home automation, it doesn't do the thing, or at least it doesn't <laughs> do it consistently. Right? It, it does it. You right. set it up, it works, and then one day it doesn't work. I'm struggling right now. I bought one of these human presence sensors from Akara, and some days it works, and some days it doesn't. And that's the kind of thing that makes you, you know, want to throw a brick through a window because it's like, well, what? Absolutely. Why is it not working? That never happens with Lutron Cassetta. You push the button on your phone yeah. or you put it in your shortcut and it lights up. I have some buttons here on my stream deck and because I've got a little studio. And I push one button and the room rigs itself for work lighting. I push another button the room rigs itself for video lighting. And and it's all Lutron Cassetta based and it has not failed a single time. And that's why you pay the money for it, Casey. And yeah, my advice is exactly just buy right. some more, but just do it over time you know you'll be fine i bet it's <laughs> yep. cheaper than your dad's x10 was
2: probably yeah <laughs> that's probably true and you know the thing with casita is not only is it reliable but they were a little bit not beautiful for when i when i was starting to buy them and they've now come up with not for the fans because they have fan switches and they have dimmer switches and whatnot there's now uh there's different physical um looks to their switches it used to be not ugly, but not great. And now they yeah. have these Diva and Claro uh, switches that are aesthetically much, much, much better looking. Also a real-time follow-up from the chat room that is consisting of the three of us. Rosemary has pasted for me a uh, a link to get the right terminology. What I replaced, I got rid of in the whole house. This was one of my pandemic projects. I got rid of, got rid of all the toggle switches in the house, which is the little thing that you can mm-hmm. grab and, you know, that you flip up and down and replace them with a uh, rocker or Decora switches. So I, I was close. I didn't get it a hundred percent right, but I was close. And so in in part of that process, that's when I put in the Caseta stuff. And, and I'm so glad I did because even though I only put it in a handful of places, it, it really has worked out well. And, and just a final note on this, not an ad ad for <laughs> Lutron. Um, One of the things I love so much about it as compared to like a smart bulb is that it is still a physical switch. It is both a yes. dumb switch and a smart switch. So Asking my family, who could not really care less about any of this, to to roll with my ridiculous idea for smart switches is much easier when there's a physical switch that will always work as long as there's power. Even if there's no IP network in the house, this switch will still work. It's not like a lot of these other switches are like a smart bulb where you really have to use the app in order to do what you want it to do. That's not the case. The app reacts to the real world or can affect the real world. Rather than the the, the app being the thing that's driving the real world, which I don't care for that being the only way to operate stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is the easiest way to win with home automation. Mm-hmm. It's not move the controls to somewhere else, it's add controls somewhere else. So you don't replace the light switch with like nothing physically. Um you replace it with a light switch that still works, but then you add your phone and and your home pods exactly. and maybe other smart systems and all of those things into that so that you have extra options for control instead of you go to press the 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 spot by the door where the light switch always was and it's not there and then you have to pull out your phone but your phone's on charge in the other room so you have to go back to the other room to get mm-hmm. your phone to turn on the light and yeah, that's... Never going to be a good experience ever. Um, So, yeah, this is definitely the way to win. Sadly, uh, as David mentioned, we can't get Lutron Cassator over here in the UK. Lutron do have um, a few options, um, but there are lots of other options for us, including some that are available in the US. Um, Akara A-Q-A-R-A, have a bunch of smart switches. And I have one in my kitchen. And one of the things I love about this is it is a bounce switch. So toggle and rocker switches will show you a state, like Mm -hmm, they'll show mm -hmm. you up or down, um, which means that especially with a smart switch, right, it can get out of sync with what the state is, Mm -hmm. especially if you've got two-way or three-way switches in your home. You'll be very familiar with uh, it's up, oh, but the other one is down. Okay, so that's why it's on. Um, But yeah, with my kitchen light switch, it is a bounce switch. So I press it and it turns on. I press it again and it turns off and it's very, very like satisfying to know that it's never wrong. Um, And I very rarely have to press the switch anyway, to be honest. So I'm I'm pretty lucky with that.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have to look into this because I am, again, As if you can't tell, I am ride or die Caseta. But there's a couple of three ways in the house that I really wish were bounce switches because it drives me bananas when one of them is on, but yet I can tell that the lights are off. You know what I mean? Because it's all out of sync, Mm -hmm. like you were saying. And I would, even though I don't necessarily want these to be smart, I couldn't even find a, a, a rocker switch that, that was a, bounce, a dumb bounce rocker switch. So I, I would absolutely pay the money to get a smart bounce rocker switch if that's what it took. Just so I can stop looking at this and getting stressed out every time one of the kids you know, flips one of the switches on and then it forgets to turn it off. And then some other one gets turned on and uh, it just drives me bananas.
1: Yeah, well, I've popped a link to the Acara ones in the show notes for folks in case anyone is curious. And I've also shared that with uh, David and Casey mm-hmm. as well. So hopefully uh, you might find a solution there.
0: And just to finish the loop on Lutron, the new switches are much more attractive. And if you're working yeah, with your family uh, where you, you don't have necessarily buy-in on automation stuff, these the new ones look even more just like your typical switch, uh, whereas the old ones were kind of a button you had to push. But there is a limit to my madness. I will not be replacing my perfectly working switches with the new, more attractive ones.
2: Yeah, I, I had the same debate with myself, and I came to the same conclusion that even though I really wish I had these prettier ones, it just doesn't seem worth it. The only place I'm really, really debating it is um, in the main living room, you know, or the TV room, if mm-hmm. you will, where we have both a fan and a dimmer. But it seems silly to replace the light switch with one of these fancy new good looking ones while I still have the fan, you know, because I haven't updated the fan one to be pretty yet. So it, it seems silly to have one of each. But, man, I've been thinking about it.
1: Well, if you do do it, then I have a suggestion, which is one of the dumb switches that you've still got in your house. Put the put the old smart switch yeah. in there, um, yeah, so that exactly. you know mm-hmm. you know you're you're extending the automation. And maybe mm-hmm. you never think about I don't know that closet in the hallway. I'm I'm just assuming I've never seen Casey's house. So I'm assuming there's a closet <laughs> in the hallway. It sounds very American, um. But yeah, like that closet in the hallway's got a light in it that you never use. But you know, having a smart switch in there means that nobody will leave the light on again because you can attach mm-hmm. it to a, a door sensor and just have it turn on when the door opens and turn off when the door closes exactly this episode of automators is brought to you by electric turning a small business into an empire takes work and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take it to the next level but this can be hard when your attention is pulled in different directions because that's the reality of being a boss the team over electric knows small businesses maybe like yours face these challenges That's why they're on hand to help with time-consuming parts of your business, like standardized device security with best-in-class device management software so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. An employee onboarding and offboarding done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Plus, Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications, while simplified reporting allows you to achieve and maintain compliance. And proactive IT recommendations and automated workflows make IT easy to manage even for non-technical users. And look, if you're hearing this and you think your company could use some of these services but you're not sure where to start, Electrics experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. Doing everything is amazing, but that you only have so many hours in a day. And there are a lot of things that you're probably doing, like managing everybody's laptops, that you don't need to be doing. So there is plenty of times where I would have loved something like Electric. Honestly, I keep thinking about it for my family at times, just because every time somebody gets a new device, guess who has to go set it up? But you should check out Electric if you are part of a small business and you're doing all of the IT and your job. For Automators listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo Three headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai/automators. That's electric.ai/automators. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show.
0: So, Casey, I know that you have been doing some some cool automation, and I thought it'd be fun to share it with the audience. So w- what are you automating these days?
2: Yeah, so like I said, it began with very, very basic time-oriented stuff. Like my my initial automations were all time oriented, or maybe if, if I was getting really complex and I hope you two are sitting down, maybe based on (laughs) sunrise or sunset, Oh, look at me go. Uh, Uh, actually recently I've tried to be a little more intelligent about the sorts of automations that I've been doing. So, um, some of this stuff maybe won't make sense to anyone else, but my family, but, but I think maybe talking about it will hopefully, you know, give, give people some ideas. So, the initial stuff was like, you know, oh, when it's kiddo bedtime, turn their overhead fans on, which are either on Lutron or or Wemo switches, you know, so whatever time this normal bedtime turn their overhead fans on, not a big deal. Um, but then I think it was last year, what, what we fell into for a routine was that Erin would wake up somewhere around six o'clock, give or take a smidge and go downstairs by herself and have a cup of coffee and get, you know, kiddo lunches ready and stuff like that. And I would get up about half an hour later. And then the kids about 15 minutes after me and all this is relevant because it occurred to me, well, why is Aaron going downstairs to a dark house? You know, so there's a pendant Mm -hmm. light over the sink that I have turn on at like 50% brightness only on weekdays, uh, when, when it's, she's about to come downstairs. And again, this is not that interesting and not that exciting, but what occurred to me was the, the kids alarms or wake up clocks, if you will, um, they go off at about 645. Well, it is useful for them to walk into the living room, where sometimes that's where they choose to change clothes, to walk into the living room when it's not dark. And so I can have the living room turn on at, you know, 645-ish. But, but it's even more useful. And maybe this is just because I'm a real weird, real weird dork, but it's nice to know when the kids are about to wake up. So that pendant light that I told you comes on at like 50%, a couple of minutes before the kids' alarms go off that cranks up to hundred percent and that's when the mm-hmm. living room comes on. So that's a cue to Aaron and me. Hey, the kids are about to come storming downstairs, prepare yourself. And So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a really like fascinating or complex thing to automate, but it's just something I hadn't thought about for a long, long so, time.
0: So it's a modern version of the list early warning system.
2: Yeah, you're right. Actually, I never <laughs> thought of it that way, but you're exactly right. Um, and then over time, like I said, I've started to try to think about, a more situational stuff. And so an example of this is it used to be possible. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong or if it just has stopped working or what, but you could do a personal automation on your phone that said, Hey, when you start any one of these kinds of workouts, go ahead and do mm-hmm. things. And that was working very consistently for, for, for me for like a year or two. And then in the last few months, it's just stopped working. But we, we don't need to troubleshoot this right now. I think we might come back to that later. But suffice to say, what I, what I had done was for the sorts of workouts, because sometimes I'll go for walks or occasionally runs. Um, so, and, uh, sometimes I'll do outdoor stuff, basically. But oftentimes I'm doing some sort of like Apple Fitness Plus or some equivalent um, on the TV and the downstairs. And so what I had was an automation said, hey, when I start one of these workouts, you know, weightlifting or what have you, go ahead and turn the overhead fan on. And that's more of a situational thing. And I've been trying to do better with coming up with more situational triggers and, th- and things of that nature. And I haven't gotten to the point of like presence. I think, Rosemary, you mentioned that a minute ago. but Or mm. maybe it was David. One of you guys did. But um, I haven't gotten to the point of presence, but I'm trying to think of more situational stuff. And a great example of this that I came up with just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we have a dog, Penny. Um, she obviously before she goes up uh, to the bedroom with us for the evening, we need to take her out and have her, uh, use the restroom, if you will. And most nights, what will end up happening is Aaron and I are watching TV together downstairs and then we'll, you know, decide that we're ready to go upstairs. We'll turn off the TV and then we'll t- take Penny out to go on her little walk. And which really means just let her out to the backyard, which is fenced in and tell her, you know, do your business. Well, it occurred to mm-hmm. me, well, if, If every time we do this almost is the TV goes off and then I walk outside and turn the lights on, why don't I have the TV going off, turn the lights on? And so that's what I've done is if the TV goes off in the evening, then the string, not rope, mind you, because those are those are totally lame now. But these string (laughs) lights in the backyard automatically go on and that way Penny can see what she's doing when she's going out and doing her business. The one thing I do wish I had, though, and, and I th- there, there are hacks that make this possible, but they're all ugly, in my opinion, and maybe you guys have a tip for me. What I wish I could do is put that on like a timer. So when the TV goes oh, off, yeah. the, the string lights goes on, the go on, but they only go on for, say, five or ten minutes, and then they... Automatically turn themselves off, and if there is a way, you can of doing totally that...
1: do that okay, in HomeKit so... without changing like a, a million things or writing a shortcut. So the simple thing to do is create a scene that turns on the backyard lights, okay, and then you enable the scene from the automation, and then there is a turn off after option that appears right there at the bottom
2: uh, see I, I, this is already worth my time because to, to, now i am have to go as soon as we're done here i'm gonna have to go and do exactly that that is a pro tip that i was not at all aware of because i will probably get there in a minute but i've got some r- really cockamamie uh routines that do involve time that are just ridiculous and so that is a much 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 better way to handle it and i'm gonna have to take care mm-hmm. of that as soon as we're done uh yeah, and then yeah. uh, As a backup, uh, we also have, like right now, as we record, it's almost Halloween. The same will be true when it's Christmas time. We have some outdoor lights that are on a smart uh, plug, an outdoor rated smart plug. But um, it occurred to me, like, I don't want to have to remember to turn these off at night. And one of the last things that Erin does before she goes to sleep is turn off her bedside lamp. And that is controlled by a smart switch. Um, And what I did was I put an RFID tag, possibly one that Rosemary recommended to me on her bedside table and she just waves her phone near the RFID tag and that runs an automation on her phone to turn off the to turn off that smart switch. Well it occurred to me again just in the last week or two, well wait a second. When she turns off her light, that means it's lights out of the Lis household. So I can cue the outdoor lights to now turn off when her lamp turns off. So anytime mm-hmm. that her bedside lamp turns off in the evening time, it'll turn off all of those outdoor switches as well, such that, you know, all the like lit up ghosts or Santas or what have you also go off. And, and these are the situational things that that's what I'm starting to try to do better with. And, and um, I really think there's a lot of power there, assuming they work. And as a final example, and then I promise I'll stop talking, <laughs> one of the things I've been working with, and I don't feel like it's reliable, but maybe it's all in my head is there's an option for an automation when someone arrive in your family arrives home based on the presence of their iPhone and where it is. And I've been trying to get it such that when, when my iPhone arrives at the house, then that will turn on like, the downstairs kitchen pendant light, the same one we were talking about from the morning, mm-hmm. and a couple other things. And for the life of me, I feel like it is not working reliably, but it may be all in my head. But I I really want to get to the point that I never walk into a dark house and that that's the dream. And I could do that with like one of those like presence sensors or whatever. But theoretically, it should already be working. I just I feel like oftentimes it's just lagging or something such that by the time I walk in the door, my phone doesn't realize that it's home and hasn't yet run all the automations and whatnot.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I saw somebody with the same problem actually on iOS today. They were debugging um, things and they figured out in the end that it was their husband's phone that was causing the problem because they were using uh, HomeKit automations triggered on when the uh, first person arrives home and the last person leaves home. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what they did is they, they made a new automation um and um they uh did um some testing with it um and i think what they were doing is they were using um an api of some kind with get contents of url in the converted to shortcut automation so that they could then have it say like this person has arrived home um so that they would know that you know what what was actually happening because trying to figure this out involves going on a lot of walks to leave the house and then come back because <laughs> you have to you have to go quite far away and then come home yep, yep, yep. uh to to trigger this so it's quite difficult but essentially in the end they they it turned out that their husband's phone for some reason wasn't properly registering the location with homekit um oh, and yeah so it may be that for some reason your phone isn't properly uh registering the location with homekit Um, And so what I would do to try and fix this, um, because obviously trying to figure out what the problem is to start with is really difficult. And then secondly, debugging this to to fix it, it might involve wiping your, your devices and setting them back up again. And that is not fun. So what I would actually do is I would change. So in Find My, you can have a particular device share your location. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this may also have gone awry when you got a new iPhone. I'm presuming you did get a new iPhone recently. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could potentially still be using the old one, though. I think you'd probably have noticed if it was. But what <laughs> I would do with Find My is change your location sharing to be from another device. Then reboot your devices and then change it back to your iPhone. Um, mm-hmm. So like, change mm-hmm. it to like an iPad or something and then change it back. And that, fingers crossed, I've I've encountered a few people with this issue now, seems to have fixed it. For them, Interesting. so I'm hoping that that will also work for you. I don't know because of course it's impossible to recreate this issue as an automation nerd. Um, you know I can't you know I, I don't actually know what the problem is. I'm doing some guesswork here, but I've not had it happen to me, but I'm also the only person in my smart home, which mm-hmm. makes a, a bit of a difference with the automations. so yeah. Fingers crossed, though, changing your location sharing to another device. Reboot all the things. Uh, reboot Apple TVs and HomePods oh, goodness, and stuff like yeah. that as well. <laughs> yeah, like literally reboot everything and then turn change the location back and then see if it starts working again magically. Um, and hopefully it will, um, but it's kind of tricky to, to figure this stuff out. So you are not the first person that's run into this issue, and I very much doubt you'll be the last. But um, the new security logging notifications um in a uh, home they might be able to help you if you have a smart camera or a smart lock or something um then they those notifications that it, mm-hmm. it gives you may be able to help you but unfortunately home shortcuts don't have notifications um so you'll have to use a, a third party application um or solution if you need to go deeper down the rabbit hole for testing there
2: yeah um, one of the things that i briefly had oh, i forgot even to put this in the show notes so I have this, I'm bordering on phobia of leaving our garage door open. I have no reason mm-hmm. for it. We've not yet been burgled or anything like that. I just, for some reason, it just, it just messes with my head. I don't like it. And we'll probably talk in a little bit about the absolutely and utterly bananas approach I I went came to to fix this <laughs> problem. But one of the things I did was I did have, and this was I haven't seen this work in months and months and months. Long before I got a new iPhone, but anyways. When my iPhone detected that I had left the house, or maybe it was the last person, I don't recall how I had it set up, um, it would figure out whether or not the garage door was open because the garage door is hooked into HomeKit, but it's also got like a web front end to it. And so I think it would ping the web server and say, okay, is the door open? Mm -hmm. And if it is, it would use, and I I presume you guys are familiar with this, but there's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful service called Pushover, uh, P-U-S-H-O-V-E-R, which basically is an API to send yourself push notifications And I use this thing constantly. And one of the things I figured out is you can, after jumping through some hoops, you can set up shortcuts such that it will send yourself a push notification. And so what would happen was when I left the house, if for some reason the garage door was still open, it would send me, you know, HomeKit would figure this out and send me a push notification saying, oh my goodness, the garage door is still open. And it was very useful when it worked although i can't recall the time that it actually saved me because the garage door was always closed but nevertheless uh it was it was very circuitous the amount of work it took to get that all wired up which was uh a pain a pain in the butt to say the least but it did it did work for a time and again i I wonder if this is all like you had said rosemary uh something related to what phone or what devices are are hooked up to HomeKit in the, in what mm-hmm. way such that, you know, for all I know, maybe it thinks my Mac is the thing that's sharing my, or that's, that's defining my location, which would be surprising, mm. especially since find my friend seems to be fine, but you never yeah. know. Sometimes this stuff is, it, is a little it, wonky.
1: Yeah. It could be something simple. Like you gave one of your kids a device and they have their own Apple ID, which you added to HomeKit. And then that device never leaves home. Um, right. that's another option, uh, to consider, uh, which I just thought of because, um, Yeah, of course, you you have kids and they possibly use iPads or similar to, to, you know, watch things on and play games. So if they have their own Apple ID and you've added that to HomeKit and then that device never leaves home, that could also be part of your problem. So it's all worth investigating uh, with all of these things.
2: Yep. And there's, you know, there's easier ways to do this sort of thing. Like I'm... I've heard of this thing called push cut. That's actually probably much easier to use within shortcuts. Um, and so you can give that a shot if you don't want to go the whole pushover route, but there's many, many ways to accomplish this problem or, f- you know, fix this problem if you're interested.
0: But I do think there is a point where with home automation, particularly with home kit, where you do fly too close to the sun and your wings melt and, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's unfortunate. I mean, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is Apple's, um, you know, don't worry your pretty little head attitude about HomeKit. They, yep. should, they should expose more. Yep. Um, and some of it's that this is fairly new technology and they're trying to build it out in a way that incorporates security and, you know, compatibility. I, I don't think it's an easy problem to solve. I don't think we can just tell Apple to throw a switch somewhere and suddenly it gets better. But I think more feedback would be useful or some diagnostic mode for us that want it even if you have to you know go to the web or click some button somewhere uh, mm. but i i find rose got me into home assistant which gives you that extra diagnostic information which makes it a lot easier cuz it you know it breaks sometimes too but you actually have a better idea why because of the way yeah. it's set up but i also think for a lot of people listening that want to get into home home automation there's nothing wrong with being respectful of how close you are to the sun and just saying well, hey, you know what? I've got some automations at work when I turn the lights off and I've got some stuff that goes at certain times of day and that's consistently working. And I'm going to be good with that for now until things get a little better. And uh, I don't think that's the wrong approach either. I mean, we we like to go to the hairy edge on the show, but, but I, I don't think if you're listening, you should feel like you have to because you will have issues. <laughs> it's just unfortunately the way it is. With home automation, in some ways, your dad's old X10, where everything was wired together with physical wires, was more reliable than what we have now. You know, we 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 have a trade-off with this convenience of wireless, and sometimes things don't work.
2: Yep, I, I completely agree. And, you know, I don't know if it's worth it, I don't know if we have the time to really unpack this, but I will say that a couple of years ago, maybe it was before the Wemo stuff had its own bridge. I forget exactly what the impetus was. But one way or another, um, a couple of years ago, I started messing with HomeBridge. And I really, really like HomeBridge. And what that does, I'm sure you guys have talked about it in the past, but what that does is it basically is a bridge to get things that are not in HomeKit into HomeKit. And it's one of those very fiddly things, although it's gotten way better in the last few years, that it'll be a complete pain in the hindquarters to set up. But once you have it set up, it's mostly bulletproof. And that lets me get... I'm trying to think of what I have in HomeBridge right now, other than the garage door opener, which we'll talk about in a minute, but that lets me get a handful of things that don't have HomeKit support into HomeKit. And I really like it. Now, my understanding is that um, the, what's the other one? Home, home Assistant, right? That's, that's what you said you use? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that one, my understanding is, and you, you two would know way better than me, is way more flexible, but also oh, yeah. way more complex. And when I tried to use uh, to, to use it several years ago now, my brain and the way it thinks were like polar opposites, and I could not wrap my darn head around what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I wonder if I were to give it another shot today yeah. if it would go much better, but either one of these uh homebridge or home assistant uh, if you are of the tinkering type and are not afraid of software, they can be incredibly incredibly powerful,
1: yeah, what I'll say about home assistant versus homebridge you know homebridge is 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 fine, and I used it for a while the The problem with HomeBridge is you're still relying on HomeKit. Um, and that is for better and for worse. So yes, everything is running, you know, on HomePods and Apple TVs in your home. You don't need mm-hmm. um, anything extra and stuff like that um, other than, you know, the device running HomeBridge. Um, but you're still reliant on HomeKit. And so you end up doing things like creating a dummy switch that when it turns on, turns off automatically after 15 minutes so that you can have an automation turn it on. And when that turns off, then you can run another automation to do other things. Mm -hmm. Home Assistant is essentially replacing HomeKit. So instead of doing automations and stuff in HomeKit, of course, you can still do them in HomeKit. um, But the idea is you would set things up, put them into Home Assistant and then share stuff back to HomeKit. So I don't have a garage. Um, That's not a thing that comes with my flat. I have a parking space. It's very nice. It has leaves in it right now, as well as my car. (laughs) Um, But I have a garage in HomeKit because what I did is I turned the door that I use when I get out of the car into a fake garage using Home Assistant and showed it back to HomeKit. Um, And Home Assistant knows that this is just my patio door. It's fine. Like when she she taps it, just unlock that door, but also open the blinds behind it so that when I, you know, open the door, then I can just walk straight in and there's no blinds or anything hanging in my way. Um, but yeah, home assistant has changed a lot over the last couple of years. They've really been working on a lot of things, making it a lot easier to set up, um, and understand and also, you know, just improving how everything works and the, the UI and things like that. They've recently got a new logo and some other stuff. Um, and they're working on a, a local voice system as well, which is entirely local, Um, which is pretty cool seeing them work on that. So uh, yeah, certainly worth investigating. Honestly, my favorite thing or my my two favorite things are probably like the history um, for things and uh, automation traces. So if an automation like starts and it doesn't, like run i can look and i can see within that individual automation here is the path here is where it went and it stopped here because you had an Mm. if condition for Mm -hmm. it's before 8 a.m and after 6 p.m the time cannot simultaneously be before 8 a.m and after 6 p.m it's Mm -hmm. either before 8 a.m or after 6 p.m um and so i was able to fix that one the other day and now my automation works perfectly um so yeah, it's you know the, those are my two sort of favorite things about it. So it's worth investigating if you're you're ready to extend things uh, a little bit further. Uh, I also like turn my dehumidifier into a smart dehumidifier with a uh, smart plug and a humidity sensor, which is pretty awesome. So yeah, all sorts of fun things that you can do with that. But Homebridge is a nice option to have as well.
2: Yeah, it's for me. It, it for for me, it Homebridge has been the right amount of complexity for what I think I'm capable of. (laughs) And I I suspect, you know, over time, I will probably want to take another stab at a home assistant and see if I can make heads or tails of it, like I said.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, these things are getting better and better as well. And with the introduction of Matter, um, more devices Mm -hmm. are becoming HomeKit compatible that weren't previously HomeKit compatible. um, And that's certainly making things a lot easier uh, for for us and cheaper as well, because there would often be a premium on homekit devices. And now loads of stuff is coming out and it all seems to be matter compatible, which is really nice.
0: I don't recommend home assistant for everybody because it's nerdy, but I mean, you're an app developer and you have done some very nerdy automation stuff already. (laughs) And you just need to channel your dad's X10 roots. I I think you should, I think you should install it. I I feel like someone like you could probably come up with some really cool automations like i've got one it's silly but it's useful because the alarm in my refrigerator door is the exact same pitch as my tinnitus so i can i can't hear it if i'm standing next to it but like with home assistant i can have lights change color in the house if i leave the refrigerator door open and it's like oh that's very cool like stuff like that that home kit just isn't quite there yet it's just not you know it's just not quite there and um and uh, someone like you, I, I do believe home assistant might be in your future. This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by Text Expander, Your shortcut to efficient, consistent communications. Go to textexpander.com slash automators and get 20% off. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client and you don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kind of things you want at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster, and that's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest for you. It's the ultimate automation. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander, then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you still keep the personality and the communications you send. Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome and iOS. I love Text Expander. I've been using it for since it started and I have thousands of snippets in my Text Expander library. I use them with the people on my team, I use them personally. It is for me the entry level automation. If you're listening to Automators and you don't know how to get started, Text Expander is a great way to do it because you immediately see results. And it's super easy to use. You just type in what you want, put the abbreviation, and you're off to the races. Then as you start getting more advanced and you want to add Apple scripts or use the paste buffer or put the date in automatically, Text Expander makes that really easy for you. And if repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check it out, TextExpander today at textexpander.com slash automators, and you can get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash automators to say goodbye to repetitive typing and our thanks to text expander for their support of the automators podcast. Casey, you've got some other cool automations listed here. I, there's one here I need you to explain is the pool busy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, last summer, not the one elapsed, but the summer of 22, um, Aaron and I, or the family and I, joined a local community pool. It's very unremarkable. It's not very exciting. Um, it's not like a country club like you would think of from like Clueless or something like that. It's a very, yeah. very unexciting community pool. But it's a place with to go small in the kids, summertime. It's
0: really nice, right? I mean,
2: exactly. Mm-hmm. And especially now that they're old enough that they can mostly fend for themselves, you know, that's that that gives Aaron and I a chance to not be mom and dad, which is excellent. And so anyway, uh, the community pool. It's usually not that terribly busy, but it's it's one of those things where like certain seating areas are in high demand because either they're in the shade or there's tables or what have you. You know, it's all the drama of any community space, as you would expect. But nevertheless, I wanted a way to be able to figure out if the pool was busy or not. And they have a very like meh website. But one of the things on the website is it tells you how many guests have checked into the pool that day. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't ever subtract from that number. So it's not a real-time, here's how many people are at the pool. But at the very least, it gives you a hint as, you know, if it's an hour after opening and there's already 300 people there, well, guess what? It must be the 4th of July because that place is slammed, you know? <laughs> and so I wanted to have a quick way to figure out, all right, if we're thinking about going to the pool, is it going to be slammed or is it going to be okay? And what I did was I I wrote a shortcut that... Uses my credentials that I pulled out of a cookie. I think so. I think what I did was I signed in on the computer, looked at you know the headers that I was sending um, that the, the computer that Safari was sending to the website, and figured out which either headers or cookie or combination thereof uh, indicated to the website that I am an officially honest to goodness logged in person, and then it will load that URL, providing you know the headers and cookies and whatnot. It will get a copy of the HTML and using some regular expressions or something like that. It will uh, find the quantity of people that are at the pool at that particular time and, or that that have been checked in that day, I guess I should say. And then it'll put up a little alert that says, you know, Oh, the, there's 75 people at the pool. Now's a good time to go. And what's really great is as you two are well aware, you can engage the dingus on your phone and you can say, you know, Hey dingus, or now it's just dingus, you know, is the pool busy? And it will answer me. And, It's such a silly, dumb thing that genuinely improved my quality of life over the summertime because I didn't have to go to a computer or log log into the silly website on my phone, which it is not mobile optimized. I could just say, hey, Dingus, is the pool busy? And it would answer me. And that was really great. Now, that's super nerdy and involves a little bit of web development, you know, know know-how that I wouldn't expect an average person to know how to do. But it has worked out incredibly well for me.
1: Yeah, this is the sort of stuff I love doing because you know it does make your life so much easier. I, I it would be really interesting if they could, you could hook into like the Google, because uh, Google Maps has this "how busy is something" oh yeah, yeah thing, and it would be really interesting if you could like. Uh, maybe some point, just do some sort of analysis, like run, like you keep a Maestro macro or something that runs like every hour or something and compares like the number of people checked into the pool (laughs) to how busy Google Maps thinks something is. Um, And then you could just look at that data later and figure out, okay, so when there were, you know, 75 people checked in on Tuesday at this particular time, it was really busy. But then after that, it seems like everyone went home. But obviously it's not super accurate, especially if uh, nobody actually uses Google Maps at the pool.
2: Right. Exactly. Uh, And a couple other very quick ones. Uh, Somebody else, I can't remember for for the life of me who this was. Might have been one of you two for all I know. Uh, But somebody else like on Mastodon a month or two ago had, or I forget where I saw it, but they had talked about how they were able to know when their devices needed to be plugged in. And that kind of just washed over me like, you know, a wave at the beach. I didn't really think anything of it. And then like just a few weeks ago, it occurred to me, whoa, 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 wait a second. I do use my iPad consistently, but not so consistently that it is always without a shadow of a doubt going to be in a good state of charge. But even more Mm -hmm. importantly, our kids have my old iPad and they never think to charge that thing. And what you can do, again, I'm telling you to like, you don't know, and I know you do, you can run an automation when the device's charge level drops below a certain percent. So what I've done is for both my iPad, just for safety's sake, but more importantly, the kiddo iPad. If it gets below 20% using push cut or pushover, what have you, in my case, pushover, it will send me a push notification saying, oh, I'm below 20%. You should plug me in now, which uh, one of those silly, dumb things, but it's not a time-based thing. It's a situational thing and genuinely has made my life better because now it is very unlikely that the kiddo iPad will ever be much below 20% because either I will plug it in while they're sitting there using it. Or as soon as they're done, I'll say, hey, can you plug the iPad in for me, please? And that works out great. And so that's the sort of thing that I'm trying to like big or galaxy brain my way into. Because right now I've got the, you know, whatever, I forget how the meme goes, but the little feeble brain. That's (laughs) not, you know, I'm just thinking about like, what time of day is it? Oh, maybe I just started a workout. Like that's not that that exciting. But now you can start thinking about, oh, well, the state of charge, that's an interesting way to cue something off. And, And that's what I'm trying to get to and get better about.
1: Yeah, I love uh, doing things like that. I've been using PushCut for those notifications because then when I plug the device in, um, the device then sends another um, or runs another shortcut, which removes that notification from my phone. Oh, that's very um, Which slick. means that I, I I don't have like this extra notification hanging around on my phone for, for something else. Um, and also um, I've been using um, uh, the notification IDs in PushCut so that if that notification for some reason didn't get dismissed, uh, like maybe that device didn't have... Uh, an internet connection at the time that it was charged, uh, then when it resends the notification, I don't have two notifications that say, hey, Rose, your iPad Pro needs charging because I have an iPad Mm. Pro and an iPad mini. Um, So I I want specific notifications. So like the mini needing charge doesn't replace the Pro needing charge and vice versa. But that device going on charge will remove that notification for me. Um, So yeah, it's definitely worth looking into things like that. Uh, as an option and also just uh stuff i really wish you could get the state of um like airpods and things like that in shortcuts Mm -hmm. because i have a bunch of automations that do just sort of run periodically you know they run at sort of like midnight and 9 a.m midday 3 p.m uh like 6 p.m and stuff like that and it would be really nice if in those i could also check hey do my airpods need charging Mm -hmm. Cool. You should probably put those on charge, like something like that. But unfortunately, (laughs) that's not something you can do in shortcuts right now. And it's driving me slightly batty to the point where I am investigating using the Find My app on my Mac. It saves data into a JSON file, actually. Oh, my word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I'm currently uh, doing some experiments with periodically reading this information out and then sending myself notifications when my AirPods need charging. It's not super reliable yet, but uh, I've been playing with it because... Yeah, it's it's useful to to do that using Find My, um, especially because if I'm not at the same location as my iPad, there is no point telling me to charge my iPad because I can't <laughs> wait until I get home.
2: No, that's very very clever. And then uh, my final, uh, this is this is a very silly one. Uh, it's just the two. There are the three of us here. It's the two of you guys and me, right? There's nobody else listening, so I can tell you my embarrassing automation story. Um, uh-huh. It used to be that very consistently when the kids were young, when when. One of them or both of them went down for a nap. Aaron and I would go down for a nap. Then the kids got older and it got good to me to lay down for a little snooze each day. (laughs) And so I've been trying to break myself of this habit. But nevertheless, for a long time, I was laying down for a little siesta every afternoon. And one of the things that I noticed myself doing was trying to remember, okay, I'm putting my phone down and trying to, you know, properly go to sleep at one o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. And then I'd wake up and think, okay, well, I'd been asleep for, what was it, 120, about 20 minutes. And that got annoying. And so this is what I was alluding to earlier. I forget, it might've been you, Rosemary, that helped me do this, but someone somewhere helped me figure out a way in order to have shortcuts, know that I have put my phone down on the charger and given the time of day, it's possible and likely even that I am taking a nap. And so it, I think it saves it's like, uh, somewhere in the files app, I forget, I'd have to figure mm-hmm. out where the heck this is that I put this, but it basically saves like a one-line file into the files app, if I'm not mistaken, with the current time at the point in which I put my phone on the charger and say, okay, I'm you know, trying to go to sleep now. And then when the phone is removed from the charger an automation, a different automation runs that reads back from that file, does a little date math and says, oh, you were sleeping for 15 minutes. Is mm-hmm. this useful information? Absolutely not. But do I like to have it? Yes, I do. And so I went through ridiculous lengths in order to figure out how this works or how to make this work. And I just really like it. And similarly, actually, as part of my it's nap time routine, you know, I have a little um, I have my own RFID tag on my nightstand and I wave my phone near that one and it will turn the uh, appearance from light mode to dark mode. It will set my volume all the way down on my phone. It will turn on do not disturb for a certain amount of time. But the other thing it does, which I was very proud of figuring out, is it will actually SSH into my Mac and it will run a one line Apple script command set volume zero. So this way, Mm -hmm. if I just even though I'm already on do not disturb and it's all synced up or whatever, just in case what it will do is it will go ahead and turn the volume on my Mac all the way down because I can hear it from the uh, from the bedroom if it's not. And so this way, no matter what's going on, nothing's waking me up from my precious nap time. (laughs) And so uh, very, very dumb and silly and slightly embarrassing and honest, but super cool that you can do all of this within shortcuts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, don't use the SSH uh, action in shortcuts to do this. What I do instead is I use Keyboard Maestro um, Mm, and Keyboard mm -hmm. Maestro has um, a, a web trigger option where you can get a URL and you can just get contents of URL on that URL, and it will run a Keyboard Maestro macro. Um, oh, very and cool. I love this, because it means that if my Mac isn't on, the URL still works. So the shortcut doesn't fail, um, because mm. that's the thing. Like, mm. if my if my Mac has, uh, you know, shut down for some reason, like maybe it's installing updates or whatever, um, then, you know, I the shortcuts will fail if it tries to SSH into something and it can't do it. So instead I use Kibo Maestro because Kibo Maestro is really great and it will just, uh, you know, keeping and, and do all the things for you. So yeah, I really, really like that.
2: That's, that's really, really good. Uh, and I think that's basically it for my fancy pants, uh, shortcuts. Oh, the other one quick thing I wanted to mention was that, um, the Caseta stuff, they have these things called, Pico remotes, Mm P-I-C-O, and they have their own onboard integration such that you can tell the Pico remote, instead of controlling like a light switch remotely or something like that, instead, what I'd like you to do is control the following Sonos speaker. And so we have a screened-in porch on the back of the house, and on the Pico remote, I can play pause, I can turn the volume up and down, and I can skip to the next track all using a Caseta remote. This is no shortcuts involved. All I had to do was go into the Caseta app and say, hey, I would like you to associate this Pico remote not with any particular light, but with this room in my Sonos or the speaker in my Sonos. And it's phenomenal.
1: So one thing I wanted to mention, actually, is that IKEA also has Sonos integration because IKEA make Ah, Sonos speakers. They Mm -hmm. actually, they're they're called Symphonisk, S-Y-M-F-O-N-I-S-K. Um, But they are Sonos speakers in IKEA housing and they have all sorts of funky options like integrated into lamps, bookshelf speakers and stuff. And they're very affordable. But because they have those, the remotes and so on that they have will also integrate directly with Sonos. And I have a very cool rotator um, like it, it looks like a dimmer and it can be used as a yeah. dimmer for lights mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. on my desk that controls, I have a picture frame in my hallway, yeah. but it's yeah, actually yeah. a, a Sono speaker. It's actually a Sono speaker. It looks like a picture frame. Yep. Um, and yep. I just picked up, they have a brand new, um, well, brand new, it's about six months old. They have a, a new square button. That's got like a play, pause, skip, uh, previous, um, and up and down volume buttons on it. So I, I've just picked up that and I'm experimenting with that, but it's definitely worth looking into what native integrations are available for your for your automation stuff. But at the same time, I also caution people to not go too nuts on it because number <laughs> of times I've had to help somebody debug, like, why are my lights turning on? And we've gone through everything in HomeKit and it's not there. And no, I'm definitely not using anything else. You open the Hue app and it's right there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that that definitely happens. So if you're going to automate stuff in multiple places, just uh, remember that you, you can do that. So that if you're trying to debug something, then you, you can figure out where it's happening.
2: Indeed, indeed. No, I've completely forgot about the IKEA stuff. Unfortunately, the nearest IKEA to me is like 90 minutes away. And so it's not something that I think about often, but you're exactly right.
1: It's very nice uh, stuff and it's very affordable as well. So I definitely recommend folks check it out, especially over here in Europe where it feels like every time I turn around, I trip over another new IKEA. Um, I, went to <laughs> such, I went to Stockholm last year, so it's like you know, a huge city and like very close to my hotel, there was an Ikea in the middle of the city. It's like, how did they fit an Ikea? Yeah, that's incredible. It's it's amazing. Uh, But yeah, they've got one.
0: Casey, you were talking earlier about your workout automations and I
2: don't think we've covered
0: that on the show before. What, What are you doing to automate your workouts?
2: Yeah. So I'm trying to follow along on my phone real quick and installing for time as I do so. So there's and jump in when you guys are ready, but I, there's like personal automations that happen mm-hmm. somewhere. And then there's home automations and I believe it's a personal automation. Now I can't figure out where that is. It's not in the home app. It's somewhere. Oh, it's in shortcuts, isn't it? Um, and so anyways, there's automations that you can do. Yep. There it is. And so I have an automation that's run immediately when I start, you know, any a number of any a handful of particular workouts. So, It's uh, when I have it. So the when is a workout type and I've chosen four workout types that correspond to the kinds of workouts I would typically do indoors, you know, weightlifting and that sort of thing. Um, And so it's it's set to run immediately. It doesn't need to tell me anything. And all it does right now is just turns on the living room fan. And then similarly, when the workout ends, it would turn off the living room fan. And I tried to get clever with this, actually. And I tried to have it look at the current weather when the workout ends. Look at the weather. And if it's over something like 65 degrees, which rose to you, that's something like 10 to 15-ish. So, a little mm-hmm. bit less than um, room temperature. Um, well, anyways, I think that's right. Anyway, it does not matter. But the point is, when it's, when it's warm out... Just go ahead and leave the fan on. But if it's cold out, you know, if it's in the middle of winter, um, you know, because, see, David, we have weather here. It gets cold and warm at different parts of the year. <laughs> so anyways. Uh, wow, it's that, cold, that felt um, a little <laughs>
0: passive aggressive there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to pay for that in the, in the post show. But anyway. 23 degrees, by the way. 23.8 <laughs> recurring, according to Peakalk by James Thompson.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh, I was way off. I'm trying to get better with it. As much as I give Celsius a hard time, I'm trying to get better with it. And I'm just not there yet. Yeah, anyway. I think your
1: inner CGP gray was showing from that recent episode of Cortex where he's trying to trick the thermostat.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But So anyway, the point is, uh, when it's cool out, I would turn the fan off or the shortcut would turn the fan off. And when it's warm out, it would just say, I'll leave it on. And I noticed, and then again, this doesn't seem to correspond with new hardware or anything like that. Uh, but several months ago, it just seemed to stop working. And I don't know what to do to debug it. I mean, Rose, mm-hmm. you had mentioned earlier that I could maybe send myself a push notification when the shortcut is run to see if it's mm-hmm. even noticing that the workout has ended. I should also yeah. point out that I I'm, I'm starting and stopping these workouts from my watch, which I think probably goes unsaid, but just to be clear. And in the past it was working consistently. I would start a workout on my watch. The The shortcut is strictly speaking on my phone, but it would recognize the fact that my watch has yeah. started the workout and everything was, it was hunky dory. And again, I don't know what specifically stopped it, but something has prevented it from working basically Since months and months ago. And for the life of me, what do I do to try to debug this? Where do I go from here?
1: Well, this is where uh, personal automations in particular can be quite tricky because I'm guessing you configured these pre iOS 17. So you've got a series of actions in your automation. The first thing I would recommend that anybody do in this situation is create a shortcut that does these actions. I know it's going to be a bit of a pain to do it, but create the shortcut remove the automation and then create a new automation. Because with iOS 17, when you create a new personal automation after you've chosen your trigger and all of that, um, then what you do is on the next page, instead of it basically just giving you a blank shortcut-ish area, it suggests that you run a shortcut um, instead um, mm. And the advantage of that is there are a number of options inside of an actual shortcut,
2: yeah, which yeah,
1: yeah. are under the I button at the bottom under privacy, um, where you can reset the privacy for a shortcut, which means that if it's doing things, then it you can check that it's actually got permission to access the stuff. Um, and mm, if something's mm. not working, you can do that. Now, quite frankly, in your case, it may just be if you create this as a shortcut, you run it manually once to check that everything's working and grant all the permissions, and then you hook it up to an automation, everything will just magically work. Um, If it doesn't, then um, I would be looking to debug this. And there are a couple of different things that you can do. You can go with the good old-fashioned, I'm going to stick a notification in every single, like (laughs) between every single action and say, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. It's a little excessive um, and and not the most fun. The other option is something uh, near and dear to my heart: Logger for shortcuts, originally by Alex Hay. I'm I'm part of the team working on the development of that now. Um, but um, what you what you can do with Logger for shortcuts is logging in shortcuts, and you can add you know data in there, and then you can open the Logger app and see what's happened um and because mm-hmm. it's it's doing that then you'll be able to see you know you can tag things and so on so you can actually open logger even on another device um and and see you know when this when this when you press the start button on your on your watch you know you could have logger open on say your iPad and wait and see like does it come in do I get a do I get a log nothing's happening at all okay something is weird here um, the right, other option right. is of course uh settings the settings app itself There are a number of options in there for shortcuts. It's worth going and double checking that, you know, those things uh, under advanced are turned on. Uh, Just making sure that, you know, if there's a script in somewhere that, you know, you've got that enabled, turning it off, turning it back on again. I know we're not the IT crowd here, but it, it genuinely does work. Like toggling settings off and back on can sometimes just fix something. You know, originally this thing, this preference may have been called that internally and they renamed it to this. But for some reason, you know, turning it off and turning it back on again fixes the fact that this thing over there was still looking for the old version of it or something, um, you know. So, yeah, there's there's a number of things that you could try. Um, but the other thing I, w- I would uh, check is make sure that your uh, location sharing with shortcuts is set to while using the app with precise location. Because um, if it isn't, HomeKit actions may actually be doing weird things. Um, and I don't understand quite why the precise location thing seems to be needed. And I need to try and figure out exactly what's going on and actually file some feedback with Apple on this. Um, because I found that if I didn't have precise location enabled for shortcuts, um, and I tried to do a home connection, it would fail about 50% of the time. Um, and that was very weird. And I don't know why may have just been coincidence. Could have been something else happening at the same time. But yeah, that was definitely something that was up. So a few things to try and figure out there.
2: Yeah. So as you were talking, I created a new shortcut. And literally the only thing in this is controlling my home. And I said, turn the living room fan on. And I Ah. attempted to do that. And now it's showing me a dialogue that says invalid parameter. Okay. That's all I can do.
1: Okay. Well, that is very interesting. I think there's something up with the fan as far as HomeKit's concerned, because that That so you sent a a screenshot of your shortcut. There should be an option to say what to set the fan to, which I did. But I agree with you; it doesn't
2: look like it from what what I sent to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that is very strange. Um, Although, come to think of it,
2: uh, as I look deeper, as I'm adding an an action here, it looks as though I have two different control list home options. I don't. I can't tell if that's just like oh,
1: you've got two HomeKit homes.
2: Oh, super. How did I do that?
1: I don't know, but I suspect that you'll find if you open the home app and you tap on the there are three dots in the top right hand corner Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are uh, uh, there should be, you know, um, any accessories not responding underneath home settings, edit home view and reorder sections. There may be like two list homes there. No, I don't see it. I mean, I hear
2: what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. I don't see that.
1: Well, if you, if you tap on home settings and then tap on the back button, you may you may find um, that there is more than one home there. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's certainly something to uh, to investigate, because I have I have seen that before with a few people that they they have uh, ended up with more than one HomeKit home because of reasons. Usually it was a partner who wasn't particularly technologically inclined. He was just like tapping and going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll just get rid of this thing. Get rid of this thing. Get rid of this thing. I don't want this thing. Right, right, um, right. but, uh, yeah, it doesn't always end up, uh, working out quite that well. My mom, managed used to do it to herself. Actually, she ended up with a second home kit home and, uh, I don't quite understand how or why. Uh, that's yeah, certainly something to investigate there.
0: As maddening as it is, Casey, sometimes those personal automations, if you just delete them and rebuild them identically, they work. And I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, I've had pretty, that experience weird. where sometimes it just stopped working. I delete it. That's like a starting point for me. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to make it again. And then it works. And I, I'll never know why. And uh, But that's okay. <laughs> but that's what I talked about, about getting too close to the sun. And, and it seems to me like the problem is really not the actual shortcuts actions the shortcuts does the things it seems to me the problem usually is the triggers that's that's where i usually hit trouble like just the trigger stops Mm -hmm. working and i don't know why but but yeah i guess the shortcuts actions fail on occasion too
2: yeah so i went in i went in as you guys were talking and i re-added the control list home uh shortcut action and I don't know if I just quietly said please or something, but I guess whichever one I was using was some sort of latent holdover, perhaps from a different uh-huh. shortcut. And so I think you, to your point, it was associated with a home that doesn't seem to be there anymore. So I, and when I re-added it and tried the other option, it seems to have worked. And so now I'm going to have to try this all out. But that would potentially explain why nothing was getting controlled because it was associated, I guess with a home from before i feel like yeah. i did at some point i think i might have deleted my home or or at least the homebridge portion thereof i don't think i deleted right. the whole thing but i deleted my homebridge portion which this shouldn't this isn't involved with homebridge but nevertheless I deleted part of it in a troubleshooting fit of rage slash passion and (laughs) recreated it. And I think that that might have something to do with it. So you have definitely given me some things to explore. And I think might have already gotten me over the edge live as we are recording. How good are you two that we might have gotten me fixed as we're recording? Very impressed.
1: Well, I mean, that's what we're here for. We do love giving folks homework with this podcast of here's a bazillion ideas. We got so much feedback (laughs) from an action button episode recently where somebody was like, I have 27 action buttons on the home screen of my phone now. I should probably narrow this down.
0: Yes. But I think think that's part of the process, though. And I think if you're at home listening, you need to know that even people like Rosemary Orchard once in a while have to nuke and pave on an automation for reasons that she doesn't even really entirely know. And- and, um, and that's okay. It's just kind of the way this stuff works right now. It's not perfect. Uh, the more complex they get, the more likely you are to have that problem. But that doesn't mean you can't still take advantage of it. Uh, just be careful how close to the sun you are. It's I actually like flying close to the sun. And as a result, sometimes I have to do some troubleshooting. But I'm a nerd, and that's kind of fun for me, so I don't mind. But the, uh, But we all have to kind of find our own kind of happy place with that stuff. Either way, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. Casey, where do people go to find you?
2: Yeah, so there's all sorts of different places. Uh, the easiest place to go to is caseylist.com That's my website, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S.com uh you can find my show on Relay FM analog with my dear friend Mike Hurley uh, over there on Relay FM uh, you can find the accidental podcast accidental tech podcast at atp.fm and on I'm on mastodon.social
1: as Casey liss and we've got links to uh, all of those in the show notes
0: and thank you to our sponsors tech expander and electric uh for automators max we are going to be talking disneyland disney world disney paris europe whatever they call it now and uh, maybe even some automation (laughs) along the way see you next time goodbye folks